Hello and welcome to The Paper Crane, a podcast from Codes in the Clouds and a misspent youth productions. We are Codes in the Clouds. My name is Jack. I'm Kieran. I'm Joe. And I'm Steve. And this week's guest is musician Charlie Barnes, a great singer and songwriter, as well as a member of Bastille. Bastille. Charlie Barnes facts. It, whoa. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's straight, I love it. I love it. Go. Go, go for it. <laughs> uh, but read out monotonously, because the three male presenters in charge of this podcast uh, do not seem to be a fan of anything or anyone else having a personality or feelings. Yes, yes. <laughs> Pop punk legend Charlie Barnes was born in Litchfield and developed an interest in music from an early age before starting to play his first solo shows while studying at Huddersfield University. He has currently released three solo albums, the latest being Last Night's Glitter, which was released in July 2020. As well as being a solo artist, Charlie has also been a member of the very underrated prog band Amplifier, who you should definitely check out. Mm-hmm. And Charlie's also currently a member of Bastille and has been since 2015. Unreal. Uh, even though I'm a robot, I've also been very lucky <laughs> enough to go on tour with Charlie, and he's just an all-round lovely guy. Ooh, look at that. He does, he does come across as a nice guy in this, uh, in this chat. I'll be honest, I, d- I don't know the guy from Adam. I don't even know anyone called Adam. <laughs> but he, he does seem nice. <laughs> Testament of, to how nice he is. Is mm. this this interview in its raw form holds the record and will hold the record for length of time? Oh, yes, it'll about? it'll hold the record because uh, angry producer me uh, has now <laughs> set a time limit on interviews. <laughs> yeah, this was. What are we talking here for the extended cut? What's this is one of those. Well, it's another listeners. It's another one of those ones where I'm not there. And these idiots just run wild <laughs> with a name conversation. But it's, it's been edited by Stephen this week because I point blank refused. <laughs> and it, and yeah. it's a lovely little cut together show. Yeah, I think I there's, there's reference in the interview. I'm not sure if it's made the final edit or not, but um, to us going on about Ocean Size for a long time. Because oh my. He, because he loves Ocean Size, like Kieran and like I. Like we love Ocean Size. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. yeah and, okay. But when when he says we went on about it, that was about fifty minutes of, of chatting about them. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Do do press do press pause in future when you want to go into it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah. personal chats out of it. <laughs> yeah. Save save bonding for after. Um, yeah. But, but the guy's got but stories. In- the guy's got stories. Oh, I don't doubt it. He's got a very interesting-sounding life. But before we get to that chat, uh, I want to remind listeners that we want to hear your teenage band stories. Yes, please. please. Email us on info at codesintheclouds.net or find us on our social media at codesclouds. We have a couple to read out after the chat with Charlie, but I want to tee it up by giving you one truth and two lies... Okay. But not on a band name, right. on the genre of okay. the band sent in by Mike. Okay. okay. I'm not going to give you their name just yet. I just want you to just think on what of these following three things could be a genre. Okay. okay. Now, does Mike describe his band as fight core? <laughs> okay. Power violence. <laughs> or pain infliction. Oh my god. Now that's fight core. Okay. Oh, <laughs> Power violence hands. or pain infliction. I'll, I'll meditate. Stick on around this. at the end for the answer. <laughs> wow. Uh, so we join the conversation with Charlie talking about his shift from being a solo artist to joining a huge group mm. like Bastille. Huge. Genuine pop stars. Unreal. Yeah. yeah. Proper band. Enjoy the show. Well, I mean, did you expect? Did you expect it to be as mad? I assume you had some expectations. I get. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I obviously had some expectations, and I, I, cause, so obviously I'd done like a bunch of touring. I'd say obviously, yeah. um, but like I'd done a bunch <laughs> of touring before then. Um, a lot of you know splitter stuff, and a lot of me being on the train on my own uh, kind of stuff, and and then with uh, with, with Amplifier when I was touring with them a lot. Um, you know, sometimes being on a bus going around Europe and and getting into that like with those guys I definitely got into that pattern of like you know it was sort of every few months we would go and do something for a bit um and uh, and that 
that I, I was kind of enjoying that, you know, feeling like you're just sort of counting down to the next thing, uh, place that, that you get to when it, when it's a band that has something that they're peddling and can, you, you know, can go and do these tours and stuff. That was, that was really good fun. Um, and obviously like learned a lot and got used to a, I guess like a general vibe of, of what touring was like. And so when, uh, the Bastille thing came along, I kind of, you know, had some idea of what it might be like, and, you know, we did it with, with Amplifier, we'd done a couple of like, um, arena supports, um, for some bigger bands and stuff. So, you know, you kind of saw a little bit of, um, the workings of that, that bigger world and, and what it was like. Um, I, I definitely wasn't prepared for the fact that my phone was going to melt after the first show that we did from a load of voracious <laughs> fans finding me on Twitter and everyone being like, oh, <laughs> buddy, you should turn your notifications off now. <laughs> like, oh, wow. you're not allowed those anymore. I don't know why I had them on in the first place, really. Um, <laughs> Egomania, mania. <Yeah. laughs> um, <laughs> well, to be fair, I bet it was very exciting after your first show. Just everything. The whole, every, not only just the show, but then without not saying that you're vain but just the attention from it and just everything about it i i, I would have lost i would have wanted it all i would have had my notifications on I would, yeah, yeah totally and uh, but but there, there was also about like a, an, an element of not that i think particularly i had too many people kind of doubting that it was okay that i keep pursuing this music thing because like you know stuff does kind of keep looking like it's going in the right direction but just being like yeah <laughs> i did it man um it's it it, it, fe- it felt like such a kind of fist bump thing and and the like just just seeing it all happening because I, I, I guess like when you're at the level that i still am with my solo stuff and just like kind of trying to pedal this thing that no one's interested in <laughs> like every time you get that little thing come back you're like you're like yes <laughs> i mean some people are interested well in the it. level the level you're talking about you used a good term for it that i'm gonna start using now of just splitter stuff and it just that says everything <laughs> that's exactly everyone that's toured at that sort of level knows exactly what yeah. what you would mean if you say splitter stuff splitter stuff mate <laughs> you, you wouldn't get it <laughs> yeah <laughs> but like at that level there's a lot of kind of imposter syndrome and anything that comes along that's good because you're so intricately involved in every aspect of the the life of the band or the as an artist it's like you know the reason you got xyz opportunity and so in for me personally it always feels a little bit like oh yeah but it's not real it's not like yeah, exactly it's not like those other bands that have done that that the same thing that that we're doing you know yeah. and i imagine that when you're on like a tour bus stuff what what should we call it splitter stuff and bus, bus stuff, stuff. <laughs> and and you sort of relinquish a little bit of the control over the mechanisms of of touring and releasing music that it's like that's when you can feel a little bit more like yeah, like I'm here. Yeah, for like sort of six to twelve months, and then uh, and then all the horrible demons come back. Oh right. <laughs> um, <and> then, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but there is like a, I, I guess like for, for me it, it was uh, just to, to to basically get hired by someone and then be like you're the guy that we want to help make this thing sound bigger. Um, it's just like, it was, it, and, and, and especially with that being like a job that, you know, big heroes of mine do and stuff, it kind of felt like, Oh, oh shit. I, I I have actually got to this, this point that I was kind of hoping for. Maybe it wasn't exactly the point that I thought I was hoping for, but that th- there was just this very overwhelming sense of, of like, just just kind of like achievement yeah which isn't something that you or like it's it, 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 like achievement in a sport way yeah which you don't like we we, we don't get as musicians that often because it's because um, it's tangible you can quantify it yeah like you went for you went for that position you got it yeah yeah exactly and it's it, it's like yes i i've been been hired to do this yeah <laughs> woo <laughs> i win <laughs> um so it's yeah it, it that that was an interestingly just yeah just a very positive sense i've not really thought about that actually how it like it it felt like a like a, you know it really was a, a a tangible sense of of achievement in music which i'd not really had at that point i'd had you know like kind of obviously loads of nice moments and 
gigs that you loved and releases that you know might have had something nice written about them or whatever and like signing a record deal which didn't feel quite so much the victory that I was hoping it to feel and so it was it was kind of nice when this came along just after that and it was like no it's okay don't worry <laughs> everything's fine <laughs> <laughs> I, I I know the exact feeling of the you know the underwhelming kind of you know signing the deal yeah because yeah because as, as a kid you're thinking like oh that'll be the moment again like sports like there'll be the cameras will be flashing and i signed it and i was a millionaire yeah. and everyone knew i was the best musician ever. the roar of the crowd <laughs> when we were younger steve and our bass player joe used to have this thing when they were going to uni of they couldn't wait for me to give them the call to say that we'd made it <laughs> yeah we used to walk we went went to east london so we'd walk in across to save on DLR and uh, yeah, we'd fantasize about yeah, Kieran just pulling up on the side of the road. And what is the call? We don't know. But <laughs> hey lads, we got the call. Like- Everything's gonna be alright. Hop in. <laughs> you don't have to go to That's lectures amazing. today. We've made it, lads. Yeah. yeah, we've made it. That's like you are literally describing a scene from the Bohemian Rhapsody movie right <laughs> yeah. now. Which is so great. Like I, I I I love it when, but but, but like, I, I guess mentioning something like the Bohemian Rhapsody movie is like that that explains why we we think yeah, about these things. It's because we we we're like we, we we watch we watch movies and TV shows that have like musicians in them. Well, we all we all we all aspired to be musicians pre-internet, right? So yeah, like the way of getting signed was this big call from a major label and getting that demo heard and. But that doesn't fucking exist anymore. That's, that's yeah, yeah, and, and and there'll probably be some glitzy party. Yeah, um, absolutely. At, at yeah. the signing and stuff. Yeah, when we when we signed out, I think it was our first contract. It might have been our second contract with Erased Tapes. I just my one memory of it was Kieran putting some god awful joke on social media, with where he, the only picture evidence of me signing the contract is Kieran put his glasses in front of the the phone, took a picture, and and did a Robbie Williams quote of life through a lens. <laughs> I mean, I don't remember doing that, but that does sound like something I'd do. And that's my, that's my dream there. That's the fulfillment of my dream. That's just a <laughs> shit joke. <laughs> that's how I've documented your dream. That's yeah. so good. I did. But you, because you, because you joined like a super successful band and you had that moment, I think you've sort of had the sort of only realistic version of that. Without being one of those bands, like that kind of, because there obviously are some who still do get that kind of, that kind of moment. And they're obviously the ones who are are a bit more of a safe bet for a, for a business of a major record label than, you know, us, us weird post-rock kids. Um, (laughs) I, I, I would imagine that you know, it, even in the last like five years, it's probably become even less of a, a of a thing, and and certainly not in in the way that it would have been, um, you know, in in times gone by, where it would have been that you know totally unknown person who's been found somewhere by an A and R, and it's yeah. going to be like, hey, we're gonna, you know, let's let, let's get you out of of these pubs here, and let's give you some time to work out your thing, and go over here for a bit, and whatever. And whereas now, even for the the, the kind of the upper echelons of it, it's like, okay, once you've got this many followers on whatever, and you've proven yourself in all of these various. Um, you know realms uh, with, with your manager or whoever you have around you helping you out or you might just be doing it totally on your own um then we can talk and by that point you you kind of you, you to some extent these people will already have some kind of following anyway you you, you mentioned your kind of uh signing victory story and the 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 life through a lens moment uh, my the, so the the day the night that i actually signed the record deal that I had. Um, I was in my flat on my own um, and I, you know, I'd, I'd spoken to my lawyer on the phone and he'd sort of said, okay, you can, you, you can sign it now if you want. Um, and I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll sign it now. Cool. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks mate. Um, and, uh, you know, signed, signed it in my flat on my own. And then I was like, um, that was the celebration. That was the celebration call. Well, I, 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 I needed to celebrate. So what I did instead was, um, I. This is when I was living in Leeds. I walked to, um, 
a bar in Leeds that uh, that I I love dearly. Uh, I've played many concerts in um, because I knew that my uh, drummer was was going to be in there that night. Um, on uh, the, I think maybe the first. No, it wasn't the first, but on on a very early oh, days no. date with oh, his God. new girlfriend, <laughs> um, and I basically crashed their early days date. Bought everyone some Jägermeister, and I was like, I've just had one of the most important moments of my life happen, and I need some people to be here. Can we have a shot, oh my please? God. Are they still, <laughs> are they still together? That's what we still want. Together. Well, then still together. You didn't do anything wrong. No. That's how I see it. But if I was... if From her perspective, from her perspective, it looks like some sort of weird play from you <laughs> to be like, oh, ask, ask her out and go out on a date with her. But then I'll show up with amazing news Perfect. and I'm going to be a mega rock star. And I'll and buy you all <laughs> fucking drinks. Yeah, yeah. it looks like there's something. I would be wary if I was her in that situation, I think. It looks like such a so. She, uh, she, she's also a musician and, yeah. and knew, knew me too. So she, she, it, was, it, it, it wasn't quite the kind of let's pull the wool over somebody's eyes uh, scenario that it, that, that it could have been. But I'm interested in your like feeling towards your sort of two main projects. You know, like, so so you as a solo artist and how much time you can put into that, how much of your, just of yourself you can put into that versus, versus Bastille, this like crazy, incredible opportunities, but does it, does it interfere with other things or does it, do the two help each other or how does that work? Yeah, it's, I mean, it, 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 it was quite a, 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 an interesting uh, thing to, to be doing that like the, you know, the, it was days after, um, my like first album came out that like I started rehearsals with Bastille um, and it was like cool I'll do two festivals and that's basically going to be it for uh, for promoting this thing because how did uh, how did the label feel about that I assume not very happy no they they, they were absolutely thrilled um, Bastille would help promote the record in terms of you being in I, it? I guess that I I think that was kind of part of it they they just thought you know like well this, this is obviously going to raise your profile and and help your career in general um this is a great move but when i actually got the email response from the label when i'd kind of said to them like um this opportunity has come up that i can't say no to um i i you know i I send that email on my lunch break at work i think or something i was working in a coffee shop at the time um and I got I, I got an email response not long after from, from from one of the guys at the label, and you know how like when you on your phone you get the little preview yeah. of like the first few light words or something, it said you've got to be kidding me, <laughs> and then I didn't see anything other than I was like oh my god I've done like what have I done I'm in so much trouble, and then when when I like but I could only have a quick look at it because I was obviously like working and then I was like you know make five million coffees for people and then when I finally managed to open up the email it was like you've got to be kidding this is amazing yeah. news um and uh they, they were really pleased but yeah I, I, I mean obviously like summer was kind of a, a no-go for such a long time because that like Bastille were a pretty relentless festival yeah, act. Absolutely. like yeah. <laughs> there's a festival we'll go there um you know we we, we it, it felt like we were at festivals all the time but yeah it's like I've done a lot of the kind of uh you know fairly typical I think of people who who tour at this sort of level um and therefore like you know you don't have the duties of like setting things up or, and you know the the time constraints of having to you know physically make the show happen other than when you're doing sound check and doing the show so having that big chunk of your day freed up as well as you know not having to think about you know getting into a vehicle in the morning and driving for four hours to get to the next venue um you know there's there's a lot less kind of dead time in that way um where you can't do anything else um really um i mean you can turn that into dead time where you just sit around um waiting for sound check and the show yeah. which i've definitely been very guilty of a lot um and that's obviously not a great thing to to do when you're trying to sort of keep in a psychologically balanced place when you're away yeah. from, from yeah. home for months at a time but um if you if you're a person who is had has a tendency to to, to write stuff and come up with with ideas like you if if you spend enough time with an instrument in your hands um as as part of your day job like there's there, there's potentially a, a chance that 
you're going to just start coming out with with things. And so there, there, there's been loads of times where you know I've just been say like rehearsals are a kind of a, a a good example of a time when weirdly a lot of creativity can happen not not related to the rehearsal because like you know we'll start doing a thing and it's a really technically involved show you know there's there's lots of keyboards there's lots of you know electronics going on like there's there's a lot of people spinning a lot of plates on this show like you know working out all the when a rabbit hole uh gets opened up and something needs working out that can be a couple of hours gone yeah of course um but it's not like Hey guys, we're going to take two hours to look at this thing. Um, so you know, just go and go and do what you like. It's more we all kind of sit thinking, okay, this thing will be sorted yeah. in a couple of minutes. <laughs> but you're, you're sat there with a the guitar, so like you know, a, a bunch of times I'll just be just you know, kind of like take my um, ear monitor things out to sort of sit down, listen to the guitar acoustically, and just noodle away. Um, so there's you know, there, there's there's definitely been opportunity to to be. To, to do other stuff, um, you know, whilst on the job. Um, any any specific uh, like riffs or melodies that were like written on on like a massive stage while you're sound checking for best. <laughs> no, because I'm always just too busy busting out ocean size riffs, nice. kid. Yes. Oh, I know. I wonder how oh, we're going to get to We brought up our favourite band. <laughs> what are we on? Uh, <laughs> Twenty minutes? Four, no, four. I'm going to ask this wow. before we get onto ocean size because then we're in a serious risk of. <laughs> We're just gonna because then it's all night, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, you're talking about the like the dead time and the stuff that you have to do as a solo act that you don't have to do and is controlled by the machine of this of this band. For the for the other guys in the band, that process will have been relatively gradual, but for you, it was like very sudden. Yeah, and then you're having to switch backwards and forwards. Like, do you struggle from? We we actually like funnily enough, recently we did. Uh... We did this tour that was probably my favourite tour I have ever done um, of, of of any any kind. Um, so it was basically the lead singer Dan and I did a tour to promote the the new album and celebrate because it like a, the the band have just released a new yeah. album um, and uh, we we did essentially we did like a, a an indie record store in store tour except we weren't in the record shops we were in. Uh, like small and that's obviously very much in inverted commas because it was like thousand capacity venues but small venues (laughs) in the towns of these these record shops sometimes doing two shows a night as well um at one point it was going to be a dan solo thing and then because the venues were a bit bigger it was like we definitely need somebody else but maybe it could be just dan and charlie because charlie can dive around a few instruments sing backing vocals and it'll be you know that that'll be nice and then and i was like okay cool that sounds great and then they showed me the what the venues were and i was like we're not doing an acoustic show there guys (laughs) like that's just not happening (laughs) like it's massive um so like sonically it was very different and very much like bringing in a lot of the kind of moody uh you know kind of post-rock version of james blake type (laughs) world that is very much mine and dan's cup of tea um but so the the the, the reason i have at length described this tour is because we like to do that tour we were in a splitter van um and we had quite like because we you know we had quite a lot of gear. We had two techs with us, um, so that we had like a, a, essentially someone doing audio for us and someone doing backline. Um, but they were also having to do other jobs like driving and tour management. Um, and we had our drum tech with us, except he was doing all the kind of content capture stuff that the label obviously want around something like this. Um, And we had one of the management with us who was like kind of just doing a million different jobs um, in just like, so like we, even though this was like a tour that ended up being around like the release of like a number one album, um, we were in a splitter and everyone was yeah. working every minute of the day, pretty much. <laughs> this proper blend of the two worlds. It was it, it it was great. Like we like we were all exhausted. <laughs> like it was like ev- everyone was getting ill. Like it was so intense. Everyone like no one had a spare minute. Um, like on on this on this tour, and it was it, it was just so nice having 
that 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 old school feeling yeah um that tour kind of made me realize a little bit that actually one of the elements that i i have at times found a bit strange about my kind of ordinary day-to-day job is is like how sort of little you have to do sometimes um i mean obviously like the, the you you focus everything on the show and doing it as as well as you possibly can and like you know the the stakes are pretty high it's a b- pretty big yeah. deal you know these are like big shows like sometimes they're being filmed for something you know like you know it it kind of makes sense that you know you you really want to just focus on that and not be exhausted from you know lugging a load of gear up the stairs or whatever um but I think that sort of that feeling of like grafting yeah. at something uh, was, was something that actually I I, I hadn't realised how much I I miss that sometimes. I have done um, so many splitter tours. I fucking dream of the day that someone will carry my stuff inside a venue for me. Not just because yeah. I'm also weak. <laughs> not just because I've also got no strength. But it's all like I just I'm just just once. I would just love it just once to see what it's like. <laughs> next time, next time you're complaining about that, just remember remember Charlie Barnes' yeah, oh, favorite so, tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's not that great. Yeah. Man. <laughs> it's not that great. Waltzing up, and you know, like it's it, it's just like uh, you know, I had one of those first festival weekends. I had the, the realization that like, oh wait, I need to it, if I'm like you know, I'm I'm a person who's quite particular about where things are you know in terms of like mic stands and all of that kind of stuff as like i i don't think that's too prima donna ish um it would be if i was shouting at people yeah, about yeah. it which i'm if obviously you were not the sack but, um, it, then yeah that's it. <laughs> yeah that's, then it's not cool but what like so i had like the second show i did with them was ra cam ring wow, um which is uh, pretty yeah, big pretty, yeah. um it was like such deal. a such a leap from you know doing I, I i'm trying to think of where i would have been playing like the week before but you know not not well, just something a, just like a that pub beer garden um, festival <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly with no one present but, but i like i i walked out on stage and and i was like obviously just kind of you know brain exploding with how big this is and how far back it all goes and and all that kind of stuff and just be like oh this is crazy and then i'm like yeah no and i'm like ready to start playing and i'm like oh wait my mic stand is in like totally not the right place of where it should be oh wait i should come and like check this before the show right yeah. that should be a thing that you do so but so there, there i am like you know kind of just yeah. got on stage like yeah i've made it oh hang on <laughs> yeah. just let me fix this thing um you know it's, that, that, that was an interesting learning curve of like you know making sure that you're not just totally too complacent yeah yeah to, 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 and, and like not not ignore it like the, you might not have the duty of like setting up the entire thing but you do have the duty of like kind of going and uh you know kind of checking it over at, uh, and and making sure that you know it, it's all yeah you can't walk out on stage and be annoyed at the person that set your mic stand up if you've no, not even had absolutely a not. <laughs> yeah. you said that bastille stuff like sort of straddles that pop and alternative inverted commas uh world those worlds i would say that your stuff is also very much does that like do you do that consciously i think i, I think that's probably like uh I, so I, I guess what i kind of said earlier pop that, star at like, heart. yeah well a little bit maybe not that not not the poppiest of pop but definitely have lent a lot towards stuff that does have you know kind of at least some kind of pop elements to it and is like singable stuff and i don't but, well, I, I guess i've just kind of been in a bit of a middle ground a lot of the time through like just a, a lot of my kind of musical uh life be, just be, be being pulled in in lots of different directions as, as i'm sure we, we we all do really like we yeah. we'll all get pulled in in lots of but just by you know you 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 find some new band or particular scene or something and you hear a lot of sounds you've not heard before and you think oh i want to do that yeah i mean only um, an absolute bellend would say they only listen to one genre and like one yeah genre of course yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it, it does it, it's not the way to go is it but yeah i i i was i was reading some twitter comments not on things of mine um on something else the other day um it was uh, Six Music was celebrating that Neon Bible was turning some amount of years old. Neon Bible, the Arcade Fire album, um, if anyone's yeah. unaware. Um, and 
and uh, you know, I was just like, oh, okay, cool. So that's that. That is some amount of years old. Oh, I feel old now. Um, and and I was just just kind of thinking about it. And I guess like um, that sort of world, that sort of sound, that kind of um, you know, anthemic pop, but with this sort of like real emotional undercurrent to it all and then with some kind of injection of like slightly left field sonics and and like you know the the pulling of lots of like quite you know alternative being that kind of awful blanket term but you know the pulling of lots of alternative influences into something that was that was something i really got like that's probably been a quite constant um theme throughout the sort of stuff that i like to listen to and stuff that is maybe quite grand in in how it sounds as well i mean like my 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 entry into music was uh being introduced to queen essentially as a as a kid and so like the kind of the world of epicness and big melodies literally my also entry into music for so many of us (laughs) like that they're they're just that they're that band that uh which I mean, it's not a hell of a lot of records, guys. So you know, the, 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 their their music was very accessible even before streaming. Accessible, you know? but but still boundaryless. So it's a good start to yeah. like be an influence. Yeah, yeah big time. That's that, that's that's like kind of the the. But I this person who. Uh, responded to to the six music thing about neon bibles like this this remark it, it just makes me think of all of that stuff that happened around then that was all of this you know kind of ten thousand voice strong over yeah. basically just just talking about like overblown super emotional grandiose stuff and they said that like it was a bad thing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what. <laughs> What, like, are you going to have beef with Marla, dude? Like, there's, there, you know, there's, it's fine. Like, I, anyway, we're, we're all different, and that's what makes the world so beautiful, right? Um, but that, that's that's definitely been something that I've been been drawn to a lot, and and so I think in even though I for a long time was was I guess I I really wanted to be in a band that sounded like Ocean Size like that that was like you know that kind of Ocean Size Amplify your codename is Milo Biffy Clyro those that's that's that was the world and I really wanted to make that but I then was also listening to like a lot of um, you know like Queen are a massive influence and always have been and then stuff like The Cure um and and Peter Gabriel, those kinds of and and like I was listening to lots, lots of like Roxy music and stuff like that, um, you know, the, like kind of arty poppy mm. kind of uh, things. Were, I, and I really wanted to be doing stuff that kind of pulled those worlds together a bit. And I, I, th- that ended up with me making a lot of music that put me very much in the middle of a load of stuff that meant I was <laughs> unmarketable. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because. It's it's hard to describe your stuff. That's why I I would you can so clearly hear the ocean size influence, especially in certain like passages, and and uh, the sort of sonic qualities. But I I would never describe you as an ocean size influenced artist because that puts puts a specific sort of artist in people's minds, which you are completely nothing like. And 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 then when they heard it, they'd be like. No, (laughs) (laughs) but like it's yeah. So you've got these you've got these ocean size parts, but then like you know, uh, what is it? I've got it. I wrote it down as a point where I was thinking this is like a super pop, like mega accessible. But it's it's the the departure, the key change at the end. Yeah, boy, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) The excitement on his face when you said that. And I was just thinking, like, how is this guy that's just had this like well ocean size sort of ending to a couple of tracks ago and I was thinking oh this is like listening to Prime Ocean Size again how has he just gone into this this crazy key change at the end of this mega grandiose song it's, I, was, I was listening to a lot of Sia at the time bro <laughs> like, right I yeah just, I was yeah. like hey there's a really great well, there was a double key change in one of the songs and I was like maybe I should try and do a double but I just did a single key change um, but the, so that like that album in particular I like so, so with um, with More Stately Mansions like the, the, the label essentially like they kind of had a bit of a problem not not a problem i mean it was a problem <laughs> but like, not not as in they had a problem but like the issue we came up against was the fact that um I, there were like kind of big melodies and stuff in in some of the songs but um structurally um i would sometimes have a chorus that only happened once um and it might only be like right at the end of the song or something so in terms of like trying to push something to radio which yeah. they were trying to do um 
there weren't that many songs that they could really do that with and it was quite hard to pick like what singles would be um so i i mean i'd, I'd already written a lot of the oceanography album before i actually signed with them um but um i very much was focusing on finishing off the songs uh that i'd started that were more kind of poppy i just kind of thought like i i want to try and write something that has like i I, want to write songs that are a bit more traditional in their structure and like have some choruses with the name of the song in it and stuff like that um you know try like try try and fit into more those sorts of uh well, just structures and, and kind of yeah. rules and whatever um but 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 then try and fit all the interesting stuff in under the hood um or like you know just be aware of the fact that there could be other you know that there could be songs on an album where i can do what i want um as long as i think about making sure that there are some where i'm pushing more in a in a kind of you know singable um kind of kind of way um but those those conventions and structures aren't necessarily like a bad thing it's not about like what you want to do like elliot smith said it's like it would be a drag to always um be fighting these conventions like sometimes you just got to work yeah totally they they, look what happened to him this stuff is (laughs) 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 he was an unbelievably acclaimed uh singer songwriter (laughs) he was brilliant Oscar winning. Um. What do you think alternative is then? Like that other side that we've both sort of cringingly said alternative. Slash experimental. What does it actually, what does it mean? Like, it's so alternative. Um, Jeff Buckley. <laughs> <Yeah. actually good. laughs> oh, it's, it's hard, isn't it? Because like, alter, like so if, alternative rock, when I was like 15, I think, which was 17 or 18 years ago that i felt like then it had a really specific meaning um and and it was kind of all of those things that i've you know kind of been been speaking about in in, in our, a lot of our shared interests you know that kind of milo biffy maybe not quite so far as the sort of ocean size and amplifier really drawn out um you know long composition type world but yeah kind of stuff that has a bit of of an edge to it but i i i guess it just doesn't necessarily mean anything anymore it it, it, it's interesting going to like when we go to america um doing bastille tours one of the things that we do on a, a reasonably regular basis is this tour in december where all of the radio stations put on essentially like a kind of mini christmas festival yeah i remember back in the early 2000s i used to lot, listen to a lot of sessions from bands with like the weenie roasts and all of these kinds of things that's exactly yeah, it yeah, christmas yeah things. yeah that's that stuff so so the the so that there's like the k-rock almost accused yeah, almost course, acoustic yeah, christmas yeah. um we've, we've done that a couple of times um and so the, the, those ones are like quite a a, a big show and it's in like an arena and it's a revolving stage and you play like Whoa. it's bands back to back with pretty much no break and you do like 20 wow. minutes um and then the headliner will do like an hour what i've found i mean it's a great tour to do we did uh the the, the last time we did it uh we did four shows back to back with death Cab. Oh. i was so happy and the last one was in seattle oh my god and uh, oh, you're such a nice person that i don't want to say fuck you but <laughs> i know right and then and and then and then and then gibbard came out and did the encore and you know exactly what he did on his own on an acoustic guitar and i cried my little eyes guys um but it's a, it's, it, it's it's a really great thing to go and do but it's they're all like the alternative stations yeah over there because you have like you have your billboard stations and your alternative stations and whatever and the the people that were playing i mean like so like billy eilish played in the middle of the day at one of those uh radio show festival things that i went and did because it, like she she counts as alternative yeah of course radio for that. i mean obviously like that it, it's an interesting example because obviously like the, the production stuff and what's going on in that music is um, like yeah. amazing and so and, and like so weird in places so it, it does make sense that that's alternative but it's also something that is hugely mainstream popular so it, it the, the 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 definition of what alternative means certainly in an american radio is something that i have no concept of i can't get my head around it um and 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 th- th- there are acts that that you say, i mean I, I mean we would kind of count as like one of the the more poppy acts you know like we we, we 
played with obviously like you know death cab and like green day um <laughs> uh, one of them as well like um you know we, we're on a bill with green day <laughs> i mean it was amazing we had the best time but you you wouldn't you wouldn't think that there would be crossover there but there there is i i don't really know what alternative means anymore but i insist on using it a lot exactly <laughs> in, in ways of describing the one thing i did want to talk about with regards to pop music is uh you rubbing shoulders with rick astley on stage oh yeah <laughs> What's happening there, mate? What's the <laughs> multiple times? Don't tell me. Yeah, so what happens? You uh, you go. Oh, I want to perform. I want to Rick roll every day. Hey. So let's, <laughs> give, let's give Rick a call. Or he contacts you. Your agent gets a call from Rick, going, "I fucking love Bastille. Let's go on stage with." Because I've seen Rick Astley perform that song with more than one other band. So I want to know how the fuck it's coming about with all of these other artists. And how do we get to make the Codes in the Clouds version? Yeah, when is that basically <laughs> happening is, the, is what I'm asking. So the, the backstory to that is, is really great. Um, so we, we did uh, Isle of Wight Festival a number of years ago. Um, and he was playing in the afternoon. And I think basically someone said we should get him to come and because cause he, he he plays drums in his own show like he's a oh, like right. he, he's a really oh, good okay. drummer as well like he's like the the, the guy is a fierce <laughs> and and it's basically someone's like, oh we should we should get him come and play Pompeii with us maybe he'd be game for it um so basically we're in our dressing room and and Rick comes in and we're all like oh mate so nice to meet you um like we you know we we have the the usual um pleasantries uh that that you would have of, of sort of chatting to someone uh, being like hey we're, we're all doing gigs isn't this lovely um music's <laughs> nice um i thought it was going to get to the point where he was going to say ah, it's, it's not going to be for me um but he and and then it, there was like a little pause in the conversation he was like so we're going to do this pompeii thing then and the whole like all of us were just like yeah <laughs> like so excited um, that he was going to do it, but the the, the the condition was because his his travel party his his bus uh, was leaving fairly imminently. We had to give him a lift home if he was going to play. Really? Um, so we were like, yeah, obviously we'll give you a lift. Even home. Rick Astley needs a lift home after a gig. <laughs> that is so good. Yeah, man. <laughs> So he get like he we, we did we did the thing he came out it was obviously brilliant and yeah we we, we gave him a lift home in in the bus which was which is great buster um, <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking great um, but he so we we then did uh, you know a few years later and this was last year we did um, two nights at Hampton Court Palace um, playing our like reorchestrated show which is our, our friend Johnny Abraham who uh, is one of the members of public service broadcasting brilliant, brilliant um, band. he's yeah. an unbelievable arranger he's just phenomenal talent um, and he uh, basically completely reimagined a load of um, Bastille's back catalogue to be orchestral so we, we were doing a couple of shows of that and, uh, and because we'd dropped him off we knew that he kind of lives just down the road. <laughs> um, so so an, I, th- I think an, an email or a text message uh, went out. I'd like, love it if you just went and knocked on his front door because you knew oh, where God. he Are you coming? Rick, Rick, <laughs> coming out. Do you want to come out to play? <laughs> but so, so Johnny did a, a, a reorchestrating of it and we, we kind of made it sound more like it would if we were doing a cover of it and that was the, so that was kind of the, the way it was it was suggested it was like we'll, we'll do it this way and then you can come out and it'll be great and everyone will have a lovely time and uh it was it was to like the, the idea was like if it's this really beautifully orchestrated version of it with like quite a big orchestra and a really amazing gospel choir like no one who's really into music is going to turn down <laughs> to have that treatment to their music. And he was like, so up for it. And so he, he, he came down and sound checked, um, and, 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 and was like, yeah, all right, great. Sounds, sounds, sounds brilliant. And like, when he started singing, like, as obviously we all had a bit of input into our like mix for our ears. As soon as he started singing, I was like, Oh my God, people just don't sound like that. His voice is, <laughs> it's, it's like it's crazy it's crazy man they they don't make them like they used to um it's just so amazing and they, you know so we then get to the point of the performance and 
he, he comes out and does his bit, everyone goes nuts, and um, Dan kind of made a point of, like, coming back and joining the choir, um, so he was stood, like, behind me, um, and we were just kind of, you know, it, it was it was Rick's moment uh, to go and, you know, work the crowd, and he's pretty good at it, um, and uh, and I, I was just, at one point I was just like, oh, fuck it, and I just jumped over my pedal board to the front, and... Uh, I was going to say, it. you were basically rubbing shoulders with him at one point, I've seen the video. Yeah, I had, a, had a little boogie <laughs> with him, had a little boogie, it was great. Afterwards, um, he we, we were in the dressing room, and uh, and he was like, he, he was talking to me about it, and he was like... I want to have a chat to you, and uh, and I was like, okay, I was like, this this is interesting, and uh, and and he was like, oh, you know, there's just you you you, you I come to do a Bastille thing, and you know, I, I've you know, pe- people know know what they're gonna gonna get, you know, they, they've seen Dan, they know what he's doing with this, you know, he's he's so energetic and jumping around the place, and but like, I just I I, I didn't, you know, it was it, basically it it felt like. He was either leading towards telling me you getting your second session job. <laughs> <laughs> it was it, it was either going to be like, uh, "Are you busy this summer?" Um, or, or you know, it, either like kind of a, a very complimentary, like, "Hey man, it's great you have so much energy on stage. That's really cool." Or it was going to be a really old school, like, "Oi, session yeah. kid, fucking yeah, stay in your lane, me, stay yeah. behind you." Yeah, who do you think you are? <laughs> or, or like, you know, don't 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 pull focus from the turn. <laughs> um, like, uh, but we so we, we were kind of having this conversation. I, I was kind of giggling away, and I didn't really know where it was going. Um, and then the conversation got interrupted because everyone had to leave the room to like go because this room was being shut. But but there was another room that everyone could go to to have drinks and whatever after the show. But I was just going back to my hotel room, and so like he 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 kind of was like, "All right, so we'll 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 carry this on." Um, uh, and uh, and he's like, right, "You you you come into to this other room," and I just kind of looked at him like, "I want to go to bed." <laughs> and so, <laughs> I was like, "No, I'm going to bed." And I, he looked quite disappointed in me. I think um, that, that 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 was a funny moment. Um, yeah, good good fun to get to have a dance with Rick Astley. <laughs> and that's it, I tell you what, what what I do now, if I'm ever in a taxi and because say I've put a guitar into the back of it um or something, or that they, they've asked me the question like what 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 do you do for a living? And I can't think of any way of skirting around saying like I'm a musician, which then immediately means that someone thinks it's okay to ask you what you earn. Yeah. yeah. Um which is bizarre. Um but you know, I, but now what I've got is this like little deflector, because it you know, sometimes it'd be like, Oh, who who do you who do you play with? And it's like oh, you know, what if you've got like some family member who's an absolute crazy super fan. I mean, th- th- this is a pretty yeah, far-fetched yeah. idea, but I just think like, oh god, imagine though if like then some weirdo knew where I lived. Um, <laughs> I, I say some weirdo. That sounds like I'm being really disparaging to the people who buy <laughs> our music. No, we all know what you mean. We know I, what you mean. You, but 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 you know, th- there are people who probably take it a bit too far. I've not come across any of them. Yeah, and the the bigger the band, the more the chance of that. So I'm just now that I have technically played with yeah. Rick Astley, that's who <laughs> I can say I've played with. When they say, "Oh, so have you uh, have you played with played with anyone famous?" I'll be like, "You heard of Rick Astley?" Yeah, um, he's got the YouTube video bookmarked on his phone. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much to Charlie for joining us. Uh, it was great to catch up with him. It'd been a few years since I'd uh, actually spoken to him. Now he's so bloody oh, cool. massive. Uh, <laughs> what genre would we categorise his music as? Oh, uh, that's a good I know question. what you'd describe it as, Kieran. you describe it as lounge jazz. Because anything, <laughs> <laughs> anything you hear for the first time is always lounge jazz. That's, do you know what? That genuinely, listeners, to fill you in on that, if, if something's got like interesting symbol work on it or uses chords that aren't just typical major or minor Kieran will just say it's jazz Probably yeah, jazz. It's, it's a it bit is. jazzy <laughs> that, why do you think they call him DJ Jazzy Jeff <laughs> <laughs> there's a percentage of ride symbol plus a couple of sevens in there bit of and then it's jazz if you're, I don't know why people need to write difficult music if you're adding a nine <laughs> If you're adding a nine, you're way out of line. That's Kieran's catchphrase. <laughs> uh, <laughs> crucially, guys, how are we describing Mike's oh, music? Okay. 
Now, right, Mike, can you, send can us you, an email. Can you run us over them? Run us them over again. All right, okay. Let's let's have a little refresher. You've had a bit of time to think on it. Now, the choices were Fight Core, mm. fight Power core. Violence, That's and Pain favorite. Infliction. Now, do do remember, do remember, realise, I hope you realise, that I'm laughing at all three of them, and I made <laughs> up two of them. So, I, yeah. I, mean, so I'm, I think I'm brilliant. It's important to know your own jokes are funny, right? It really right. So, fight core, power, violence, pain, infliction. Immediate okay. thoughts, guys. Come on. Well, if I was going to be absolutely serious about this, and I take things mm. very seriously, as well, you should be. Yeah. I think fight core sounds mm. more like a genre, right? It's got that core. Sure. Everyone likes to put core at the end. Of they a, do of a genre. Slow, hard, lots of cores yeah. out there. So I think fight core would be my first choice. Where am I? That's your go-to. At? Okay. Although I wish it was power violence. I, I okay. think the thing is, I wish it's power violence, but do I? Because do I actually hope that my friend Joe made that up because it's well funny? <laughs> <laughs> it's my name as well. Do you want to live in a world where a genre of power violence exists? <laughs> <laughs> you, may already, you may already, Kieran. Then what? Right. right, okay. Before I take your final answer, let me let me read what uh, Mike sent us. And listeners, please, we do really want your teenage band stories and weird genres and band names. Uh, and this is what Mike sent through. So uh, this is right, and this this isn't even the band that he describes as this genre. So me and my friend were in a band called Get Serious. <laughs> at the time, there were lots of hardcore bands with names like Know Your Role or something idiotic. I don't remember why we were called Get Serious, but we mostly thought the logo looked cool. Now that's a that's a recurring <laughs> theme. It's all about the logo. Yeah. <laughs> it's all drawn on a student planner. Well, it's like those metal bands now where you can't read what their name is. It's just a series They're of They're amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd love to know more about that subculture. I'd like to know where yeah. that started, just making it as indecipherable as possible. But anyway, yeah. uh, Mike goes on. Right after moving to Austin, I joined a band called Self Loathing. Yep. <laughs> which <Omnial>. was a <laughs> blank band. For what's the genre? Uh, it was filled okay. with ex screamo kids, so the name was super on the nose. <laughs> Self Loathing. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> this really angry band in Austin. <laughs> Self-loathing. But what were they, guys? Were uh, they fight core, power violence, or pain infliction? Oh, they they were they were fight core. I'm going with Jack's reasoning. I was going to go with fight core too. I'm sticking with that. Yeah, Kieran. Yeah, I'm going to have to say fight core. All right. We all look like mugs here. Well, Steve, I, I want to see your face when I tell you they are described as power violence. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Please. Power violence. I didn't Please. Know. I mean, isn't it amazing? That's not a <laughs> Honestly, real genre. Power fight core. I threw that in because I th- I knew you'd all choose fight core. Yeah, yeah. No, that's very good. <laughs> but I was quite happy with pain infliction. Pain <laughs> infliction's lovely bit of work. Well, that sounds like a, that sounds like a name of a band in that genre. So. Yeah, it, oh, that's a great. That's the name of their first. That's the name of Self Loathing's first album. Uh, are you now their manager, Joe? <laughs> they're a bright bunch of lads honestly we're gonna they'll be supporting codes in the clouds in 2023 um, <laughs> uh, we've got a few more to read uh i'm delighted with these honestly uh martin oh, who's actually been in touch before he sent through some great ones the other week uh but he's come he sent me through some more bands that he was in uh him and his friend tim they when they were in school they were in a band called atlantis I love that. Ooh. That's classic secondary school yeah. band name. Uh, it goes on. Uh, but another band I was in, I can't remember the actual name of the band, but for one gig we changed it to Shades on Stage. <laughs> because before the show we went to Primark to buy sunglasses and decided we would wear them on stage that night. We, we abbreviated the band name to SOS. I love oh that. My God. <laughs> you have to be a real hardcore OG fan to know what it stands for. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, look. So, SOS, guys. Yeah, yeah. Cause shades on stage. Because they wear shades on stage. You planned that. You planned that when you were making up your bands as a teenager. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, who Find were the, the real hard guys? Yeah. Who really knows us? Uh, it's also well there's... man feelings, isn't it? We're, we're called man feelings because we're men with feelings. <laughs> we're SOS because we wear shades on stage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
this from Charles. Uh, he said he found our podcast through the Efter Cl- through uh, an Efter Clang post. So thanks for Efter Clang for nice promoting one. the show. Thank you. Uh, he says he's a huge fan of them, and he sees them every time he tours. Uh, every time they tour the states. Uh, so here's a list of some of his band names, and you know, annoyingly, they're actually, like some of them are quite good. But then also this- at the same time, like all band names, there's something about them that's quite good. But then that also makes them a bit funnier. <laughs> So are these so, high school are these high school bands US high band school names. bands US high school bands baby right I'm picturing um, the big lockers in the hall big lockers uh, Red uh, what else parties. do they do there uh, yellow bus wedgies <laughs> um, <laughs> red cups uh, at parties and they're playing red they're cups playing the house yeah. Party. yeah they play the house party okay opening for rival schools right okay so. Uh, who's open for rival schools at the house party? Who's open? Who's open for Deftones when they played in the canteen? Let's find <laughs> out. Right. <laughs> uh, bridge. Just bridge. Okay. Uh, these are all like genuine, this. by the way. Or is this? Is this? These too... are all. De- these are all real. Four real ones. Resident of the Sun. I think that is classic. And That's this right. one, I think, if I had a friend that had this band name when I was a teenager. I would have been a fan of that band just because of the band name. Idle Youth. That's really good. That's a good band name. That's That's just a teenage band name. But then also he was in a band called uh, Muppet Hitman and the Preschool Mercenaries. Nope, he's fucked (laughs) up. Everyone has their hits and misses. You've let yourself down a little bit there. Um, But he said, uh, I had a lot of fun playing music and was fortunate at a young age to share the stage with bands like The Misfits and Dean Ween and Rub Elbows with some cool cats. That's wicked. That's 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 what it's about, though. You go and support yeah. the local punk bands and stuff and have as much fun as you can. Yeah, wow. With Muppet Hitman and the preschool mercenaries. Anyway, and very quickly from Paul, just one last one. Um, uh, he had uh, <laughs> he had two bands uh, named after text he'd found on an air freshener. Uh, <laughs> because one isn't enough, obviously. Uh, he was in a band called Essence of Nature. <laughs> okay. And uh, yeah, Garden of Eden. Two lovely. lovely, two lovely okay. band names, uh, and just as a side note, he was also briefly in a band called Pube Salad. That's the sort of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's lovely. That would have been Joe's vibe. Joe would have been that's very coming much along my to vibe. practice <laughs> guitar and Guys, that's my yeah, that's my first Felicia side project. It was, it was the pre bass era for Joe. <laughs> God, that gig poster would have been fucking terrible. Hmm. <laughs> oh god you can imagine it that sort of horrible <laughs> 90s album cover alright that's it for bands this week please please do send yours into info oh. at codesintheclouds.net or at codesclouds on twitter and instagram we love hearing them as you can hear oh I uh, love it Jack who's on the show next week mate so next week's guest is the Ivor Novello nominee <laughs> Tom Hodge this, this is the big one guys the big let's one. not fuck like this it. up <laughs> <laughs> now that's a that's a cool award I hope he I hope he wins he's a, he's a, he's already not won it but uh he's he was he was great actually uh he's he's in a band he's in another band they're called collisions and one of the members is on this podcast right now and the other one is Ooh. a drummer called Ollie who has also been on this podcast it was me Kieran and I caught up with uh Tom it was. I really want to promote this this episode as the Ivan Novello nominated Tom. <laughs> like it's going to be a serious, educated music chat. But it's really. I was. It was mostly me trying to get him to slag off other composers. <laughs> Is that how he demanded to be addressed? You may address me the Ivan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Novello nominated Tom Hodge. Or Mr. Tom Hodge. Yeah, the nominated. Uh, Mr. Nominee. Um, but yeah, it was it's, it was really interesting talking to him. His career, his career has been fascinating, and it's it's one of those things when you're friendly with someone, you don't ask them about the the serious stuff or like the work they've done. Really, it's more just sort of catching up. So it was nice to dig in a little bit with him. Excellent. And can we add him to the list of lovely guys that we've spoken to? So far? I've always thought he was a lovely guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a nice I chap. Know he is. I know he is. We first we first met Tom when he did a remix for us. Uh, Years ago, he did uh, a string version of one of our songs, and then uh, at Jack's wedding day, his wife to be walked down the aisle to that very version. It was really oh, yeah. quite moving. Hmm. Yeah, that is very true. Memories. 
and that's as much emotion as Jack can handle. That was hard um, for me. That was hard so, for guys, me. I'll, I'll, we'll sign off. Now, I, I can't yes. believe I haven't said this before, right? Go on. Mostly because I thought it went without saying. Uh, but it seems a few of you out there need some reminding. Now, look, I'm just a messenger for for a higher power, and if my sign-offs are too deep for you, it just means that you weren't ready to hear them. So, don't hate the paper, hate oh, the crane. Oh, <laughs> it took me way too long to see it coming. Um,